Good morning. As we continue on in our series, Transformations, we've been looking at the changes that have been happening in our culture as a result of the reset that happened this past year. And so we began last week this series, Transformations, that is based on what Paul said in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, where he said that we are to submit ourselves unto God. This is our spiritual act of worship. And as we do that, we will not conform to the world. We will not be transformed into its own image, but rather we will have our minds renewed by the truth so that God can transform us into his good and acceptable and perfect will. And so last week we began our series transformations with the transformation of money. And today we're going to be looking at the topic of the transformation of the family. When I think about the people in our church, uh, how many of us grew up with a less than ideal uh, background in our own family experience? I think some of us in our church, we, um, we grew up with very broken family backgrounds. We grew up without a father. We look back and realize that much of our childhood was spent, for some of us, uh, trying to parent our parents. Some of us have experienced abuse. We have... Um, we were children of divorce. Others of us, we recognized that it was us who rebelled against our parents and contributed to the broken experience that we had in our family. And I think it's a very rare individual among us that can look back at our family upbringing and say, you know, my family was full of love and peace and unity and wholeness. My family raised me in the ways of the Lord and prepared me adequately, both in terms of uh, my life and my life in society, as well as in the Lord, prepared me for adulthood. And I think it's the very rare individual um, who can say that honestly in our culture and maybe even for some of us in this church. And so today um, we are going to look at this topic of the transformation of the family. And family is very important to us here at City Bible Church. Um, the nuclear family is very important as well as the family of God. Uh, we have our once a month Fellowship of the Rings gathering that is to minister to marrieds or marrieds with kids. We have a, a growing women, women's ministry that is just in the process of beginning uh, women's discipleship. There are many women who have signed up for that. We have a powerful men's ministry. We have a growing youth ministry. We have a kids outreach Bible study where some kids are, are coming to the Lord uh, we have made available as a church biblical counseling with an outside biblical counselor uh, that married couples can take advantage of to help them in their marriage or in their parenting. As well as, as you just heard, uh, we're going to ha be having another pastor come help us for this season of City Bible Church. And uh, Len, Pastor Len has 50 years of experience in pastoral ministry, 50 years, been married for over 50 years. And so he's going to be um, an amazing resource for our church in terms of um, how our families are transformed um, into God's own image. What I want to do is three things with you today. I want to uh, look at the um, transformation of the family in pop culture, how pop culture has been depicting uh, what family life looks like. And then I want to make some comments on how the church has maybe not been so helpful to the family and and just kind of, you know, Jesus says, take the log out of your own eye as you're judging others, right? And I think we should just kind of name some ways that the church needs to do better. And lastly, I want to end with um, a few uh, reflections 
on how the family, we can see the family is being transformed by God, whether it's the nuclear family or the family of God. And so let's go to the first. Um, let's talk about the breakdown of the family in pop culture. When we look at pop culture, it, it paints a picture for us of a broken family. Um, you, you would think that we're almost on another planet, on Mars, when we look at how the family is depicted, as opposed to um, how many generations grew up throughout America's history. Um, you look at these animated cartoons, and you, you almost see this alien depiction of the family. Um, you see these streamed shows, uh, uh, these sitcoms, these dramas, and they're entertaining, they're engrossing for many of us, but how they portray the family is in a very broken way. We listen to these voices in cyberspace that tell us that we should help our children find their inner gender um, that may or may not be the same as the physical gender that they were born with. And what we have today is husbands and fathers depicted in pop culture that are not respected. We have wives and mothers depicted in pop culture that are depicted as not loved or as uh, women who are unruly. We have children depicted in pop culture that are either disobedient or they consistently outsmart their parents at the amazing age of 13 years old, or they are catered to by their parents and they're not raised, certainly in the ways of the Lord, but not even raised in uh, a normal way. And so they become disobedient and unruly. And you see homes depicted in pop culture with two dads, two moms, one dad, one mom, or no dad, or no mom. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, children have to be raised by one dad or one mom, but um, sometimes that's also by choice, as depicted in pop culture. And pop culture is primarily about the present. It's not about the future. Pop culture, in its depictions of the family, in its brokenness, is not primarily about predicting what the family will look like in the future. It's not primarily about uh, showing us a picture of what the family should look like in the future. Pop culture is designed to primarily be a reflection for where things are at currently. That's why people watch, because they identify with pop culture, because it's speaking about their present life. And so that's telling us something about the condition of how the family has been transformed into this broken state where we're at. Um, and pop culture is also telling us something at a wider level, that the family has been decentralized. If Bitcoin is the decentralization from finance, if the homeschooling movement is decentralization from public education, if social media is decentralization from mass media, if remote work is decentralization from a nine-to-five office job, we see today the family has been decentralized from authority. It reminds me of the verse in Judges, chapter 21, uh, verse 25, where it says, In those days Israel had no king, and so everyone did as they saw fit. Uh, Israel in the book of Judges, they didn't have God as the king of their hearts. They didn't have a physical king yet, and they were wayward in every um, ungodly direction. And that reminds me of the state of the modern family here in the 21st century. So many of us have no authority in our hearts. 
And so therefore, we do as we see fit. The family has been decentralized, and so we define the family as we see fit. The family has been decentralized, and, and we are disconnected from community in terms of families. Uh, Lorraine and I and the kids have been watching Little House on the Prairie during um, COVID, all nine seasons of it, right? And I know we can't live in a small town like Walnut Grove here in the urban metropolis of Los Angeles. However, uh, one of the things that it reminded me of that we miss is back in those days, um, you had these families that would come together and they would meet in the town. There was the mercantile, there was the post office, there was the mill, um, and there was the church on Sunday where these families came together and they knew each other and they kind of looked out for each other's kids and they helped kind of raise them together. And I think there's something very beautiful of that when they have this community and how many of us have lost that. Uh, people move or they are here and then they're gone. Um, and we don't have a sense of community to help us in our families in this decentralized state. And family has been decentralized because uh, we're distant from God. We're separated from God, uh, so many families. And the result of all of this, this transformation of the family to be decentralized, is that we now have men who are not godly men. We have too many men that are not godly in our culture. We have too many men who don't act like godly men. They act like boys. They act like women. They act like animals. And this is a result of the transformation of the family in the world's image, conforming to the world. And the result of that is now we now have women, too many women that are not godly women. Instead of being uh, gentle and quiet in their spirit and, um, and a Proverbs 31 woman, we now have women who are seductress, uh, seductresses. We have women who are abrasive, who are defiant. We have women who uh, want to be men. And this is a result of the breakdown of the family. We have children now who feel abandoned by parents, abandoned by society. And now they feel that they've got to raise themselves either through the internet or themselves or through their peers as adolescents. And we can see the result of how broken they are um, as a generation. And... When you come to the church, there, we have to be honest. There are some ways that the church has not been helpful to seeing families transformed in the past. Uh, I'll list three ways. Number one is that too often in the church, the leaders of the church, the elders and deacons in their own families, uh, they're not setting a godly example in their own families. Uh, not all leaders are like that, obviously, but there are too many people in leadership. When you look at the state of their marriage or their parenting, um, they look good on Sundays, right? Everyone looks good on Sundays. But when you look at their personal life, they're not modeling that for the congregation. And how can a congregation be raised up to have godly families if the leadership and their families are not setting in a godly example? And I think for leadership, it's not just their own personal families, but they have to model um, a godly relationship with other leaders in the church, that we are all the family of God, and how can a church be healthy if the elders and deacons are not in a healthy relationship with one another? And so that's an example of how the church has not been helpful in seeing the transformation of the family through God. 
Um, a second example is uh, the church is often um, not diligent about teaching on and um, helping people in the area of divorce. Sometimes it's an issue where people might get divorced for unbiblical reasons or remarried for unbiblical reasons, and they're professing believers, um, and the church just kind of glosses it over and says, well, you know, God you know, can forgive everything. It's, it's not that big of a deal, even though the word of God and Jesus says it's a very big deal if it's done in an unbiblical way, and that's not helpful to families. Um, a third way that the church has not been helpful is Sometimes we tend to define family primarily as the nuclear family rather than how Scripture primarily defines the family as uh, the family of God. And that can have a detrimental effect because if a person is not married and they're single, if a person is uh, widowed, if a person is married but don't have children, and we put up this one definition of a nuclear family as the thing to strive for, or the thing that really God has blessed, then uh, where does that leave us? It, it leaves us in, a, in really an unbiblical place where we should really be emphasizing the church as a family, but then it, within it has some nuclear families. And so the church has to pay attention to that and do better. Um, lastly today, I want to look at how the church can minister in a way that families can be transformed by God in the kingdom of God. And you want to ask yourself, you know, what is the difference between Christianity in terms of its talk on the family versus Buddhism, versus Islam, versus secular humanism, um, and a number of other aberrant uh, religions? What is the difference? Because many um, other uh, organized religions... We'll talk about the importance of family in terms of morality and so forth and so on. What is the difference between that and Christianity? Uh, the church and the transformation of the family within the church is not primarily uh, just through trying better, having better communication skills, uh, trying to be a more moral person, trying to pe treat people better. Uh, that's part of it. But the church at the core, if you want to see the family transformed, is really to understand that uh, we, as God's people, have the power of the Holy Spirit to sanctify us. We are transformed in our minds by the truth of God's living and active word that can discern our thoughts and motivations of the heart and equip us for every act of good work of righteousness. And we are being conformed by the Holy Spirit through the power of the word of God to Jesus Christ. And that is who brings us together and we live out God's will. That is the difference between seeing the family transformed in the church versus just living a more moral life as a family. And so I want to look at five ways that the family can be transformed through the church. Number one, it begins with understanding that God is our father. God is our father for those of us who believe. God is not an it. God is not a divine spark. God is not gender neutral as a woman or a woman. Uh, you saw that congressman pray the other day. He ended his prayer, amen and a woman. Um, this is not who God is. God is our father. Jesus talked about God every bit as much as his father. He said he is our father. Jesus talked and referred to God as 
a father every bit as much as he referred to him as God. Uh, the apostles Luke, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, James, Peter, John, and Jude all referred to God as Father. Every book in the New Testament, with the exception of Third uh, John, referred to God as our Father. Um, and you see this example even in the apostles. The apostle Paul, when he wrote to the Corinthian church, when he wrote to the church at Thessalonica, when he wrote personal um, uh, letters to Timothy and Titus, his young protégés in the faith, when he talked about Onesimus, uh, a brother in the faith, he all referred to himself as a father in the faith. Uh, the apostle John talked to his audience as his children in the faith. And so this language represents not that they are the Father, but that God is Father, and those who make disciples should care for others as a Father in the faith, as God is our Father. And this is very important in the church that we start here, to recognize that God is our Father, because um, throughout the Bible, uh, Jesus and the apostles talk about all the good things about who God is as our Father. Jesus said, God as Father raises us from the dead and gives us life. The Apostle John said, God as our Father is the source of our truth. Uh, the Apostle John said again, God as our Father is love for us. He, he helps us as his children to be set apart from the world, to live in love. The writer of Hebrews says that God our Father disciplines us. The Apostle Paul said that uh, we receive grace and mercy and peace from God our Father. The Apostle Peter said that God our Father judges us and we should have a godly fear because of that. And the point of all of this is that when we um, learn that God is our Father, when we obey God as our Father, when we worship God as our Father, um, we are transformed from being in a fatherless culture to be transformed to living a God-centered life, to know and obey God as our Father, and we are changed. He blesses us with his truth, his love, his peace, his mercy, um, his grace, his discipline, and so forth and so on. And this is the Father that we need through God, and that heals us. So uh, we want to start by saying that the church is transformed um, and the families within the church are transformed. The church is transformed as a family of God by recognizing that God is our Father. Secondly, uh, we see the transformation of the family when it is led by godly families. It is led by godly families. The elders and deacons have godly families and godly character. First Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul said that um, those who are elders and deacons have to have godly character. And he goes on to list a number of ways that that is to be lived out. But he also says this in 1 Timothy 3. They are to manage their household well, with all dignity, keeping children submissive. If you cannot care for your own house, how can you care for God's church? And that referred to not only to elders, but really for deacons as well. Those who lead and those who serve in the church need to set an example in their own families of godliness in their own personal life, in their marriage, and in their children. Um, you never want to have people in leadership in the church who primarily look at the church as a business. Uh, the church should be led by godly men and godly women who have families that are managed well and managed in the name of the Lord. And so we want to have 
of the transformation of the family by seeing godly families in leadership. Number three, uh, we see the transformation of the family when we see godly families in the church, when we see families wanting to grow in godliness in their own marriages, with their children. Uh, the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians and in Colossians that husbands uh, and wives are su to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, that husbands are to love their wives as Christ loved the church. Wives are to submit and respect their husbands as the church submitted uh, to Christ. That children are to obey the Lord, he goes on to say in both Ephesians and Colossians. Uh, there's very little commands directed at children in the New Testament, but uh, one of the main commands is what Paul said here. He said, children, obey your parents. And he says, if you do that, God can bless you with law, a long, and good life. And also, you should know that that pleases the Lord when you obey your parents. Um, we want You want to be a family where... Um, Fathers are not exasperating their children to anger, uh, again, as Paul says in those verses. And so this is what God wants to see happen. And if you want that, if you're a family out there and you want that for your marriage, if you, husband, if you want to have a wife that respects you, wife, if you want to have a, a husband that loves you, uh, husband and wife, if you want a marriage where you're mutually submitting to one another as well as uh, Christ, if you want to raise children who are obedient to you in the ways of the Lord, if you want to be a father that doesn't exasperate children to anger, um, this is where that happens. The transformation of the family happens through the church as she is submitted to God. And so this is what we want to see. This is the goal of all of our ministries to the family. Number four, uh, we want to see families that are on mission with God. Families that are on mission with God. Sometimes when you're married or have children, it's, uh, it's important that the church ministers to you and your needs um, and your growth in terms of it as an individual in your marriage and with your children. It's very important that the, you uh, receive a ministry to you as a family. And it's understandable that you as a family want to have fellowship with others who are married or married with kids. But sometimes it's very easy for us who are married and have kids, um, to, to be very inward-looking and to remember and to forget, rather, that the church is the wider family of God and the church does not primarily exist to minister to the nuclear family with, its pastoral, with the pastoral attention, programming, and budget all aimed, essentially, at the nuclear family. That's a huge part of it, but really, the Bible defines the family not primarily as the nuclear family, but primarily as what? The family of God. Anyone who would profess Christ, whether they're married or unmarried, whether they're single, whether they're widowed, whether they have children or don't. We are the family of God. That is the primary definition of family ministry. Uh, but we want to see families on mission with God. We want to see families that um, are ministering together outside of their nuclear family, as well as receiving ministry within their nuclear family. Um, I want to read to you a quote from um, the book I'm writing on the church in the post-Christian age. And this is under the chapter on family movement. It says, The biblical witness is that when Christian men and women got married, even had children, they did not stop in living and dying radically for the gospel. 
Paul wrote to the Corinthian church that he and Barnabas were single, while Peter and the other apostles were married. The book of Acts tells us that Philip the Evangelist had four daughters. Church history tells us that other apostles like Peter had spouses that died on the mission field um, with them. Um, And it is entirely possible that many of the other apostles who lived and died for their Lord were not only married, but had children who were on mission with them in some way. Sometimes I think we can be in danger of over-interpreting 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 33-35, where Paul said that the married will be anxious, not just for the things of the Lord, but for their families. It gives us kind of permission to allow family attention and family concerns to dominate in the church, pushing out the mission of God for the family as a whole. Paul said a few verses earlier, This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they were not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, for, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. What I was saying there was that it's very important to grow as a family in the ways of the Lord. But Paul is also reminding us as well that uh, it, even if you're married or have children, There should be part of you that lives and has an urgency to this world and is not so attached and dominated by the concerns of your family that you recognize that this is all passing away, you know, and uh, when we get to heaven, there are no marriages. We'll see our spouses if they're believing. We'll see our children if they're believing, Uh, but it's not going to be like it is here. And so we are to remember that we are to enjoy this here. We are to grow in this here um, as a family, a nuclear family, but to also recognize that the family of God and the mission of God is uh, crucially important. And then I finish by saying this. A godly family can represent one of the greatest blessings God has given us on earth. That's true. Marrying Lorraine and having my kids has, uh, outside of my profession of faith with the Lord has been the biggest blessing in my own personal life. Um, but what if that could not just be enjoyed but modeled, especially for young families and singles, that when you get married or are married with children, The mission to make disciples of all people, and not just the mission to make disciples in our own families, that that continues and advances. What if that could be true? And that's what we want to see. We want to see families on mission with God um, and as they're being transformed by the Lord. And lastly for today, we want to see the church as a whole, as a family, and not just nuclear families. The church is described in many ways, in many metaphors. The church is described in the New Testament as the body of Christ, as the house of God, as the temple of the Holy Spirit, as the bride of Christ, as the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And the church, all these metaphors are true about the church. But the church is primarily a family. That's why we say brothers and sisters in Christ. That's why it says that God has adopted us into his kingdom, into his family. We are part of the family of God, whether you're married or not, whether you have children or not, whether you're old or single. um, You are part of the family of God if you profess Jesus as Lord. And this is very important that we remember that we are together um, and, and, and we're not just focused on this one segment of the church, but we see each other not as, hey, if you're not married, hey, if you're married and don't have kids, 
we don't want to send the message if you are married and you have kids that you don't want to send the message if anyone else is not like that, that they haven't arrived. You know, I, I think culture puts enough pressure on people who don't fit that one mold. And we don't want to see that happen in the church. Uh, if God has blessed you with a marriage, if he has blessed you with children, um, you should be ministering to not just to other families, but to others who um, look different in their life situation, just as they will minister to you as a family. That's the beauty of uh, the body of Christ, right? It's the nuclear families and different people from different walks of life all coming together, and we are all equal at the foot of the cross where we need Jesus. And we are to esteem one another as better than ourselves. And so in conclusion, we want to remember that you and I, we are the family of God. And we are living in a fatherless culture. We are living in a culture of broken families. The only hope for the transformation of the family is through the gospel. Um, God brings together people as a new family in the kingdom of God. And everyone should be valued and loved and recognized as uh, very important to one another as part of the body of Christ and the family of God. Um, every one of us should recognize that we, um, in a godly marriage, we represent the relationship between Jesus and the church. Everyone should recognize that just as there is peace and harmony and goodness between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and they all lived in community, that we as the church can both preach and teach and represent God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit as the family of God. That is a high, high responsibility, a high calling. Um, but I think for churches that commit and say, we care about our marriage, we care about our children, but we also care about the body of Christ and how that all works together. And if we can find um, the Lord at the center of that, God will bless our church, City Bible Church, he will bless our church as we love one another and as we commit to one another in the ways of the Lord. And uh, we will be a shining example for the world around us, not of perfect lives, not of perfect marriages, not of perfect children, but of a people who are being healed by God, of a people who, whose marriages and, and children are seeking the Lord and finding him. And the Lord is blessing that and he's blessing the nuclear families and he's blessing the wider family of God. And we want that. You want that. That's why you should be here. Um, and I think as we commit to each other and as we commit to God, God will bless our church and uh, our families and the family of God will be transformed into his image.